Hello, Linux fans. Welcome to Episode 5 of Destination Linux, where we discuss Linux-related news and reviews and anything else that might be fun or interesting. And I'm Rocco, and this is Destination Linux. So, Rob, I have some sad news. It's very sad, sad news. news. You're going to start off with sad news? I got to start the show with sad news, brother. Ike Darty has confirmed that Solus won't ever have the AUR. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> Well, while I will agree with you, that is sad news from the standpoint of an AUR lover like myself. I completely understand it and I get it. I mean, Solus is not about access to every bit of software on the Linux software on the planet. Uh, they've got different focus there. So that doesn't surprise me. Uh, but uh, so he made that statement, huh? That's that's yeah. out there. It was it was actually said in, you know joking around about having the AUR on Solus and I guess some people took it seriously so he he did uh he did mention that Solus will never have the AUR just saying <laughs> well you know they having recently uh run Solus on my main system and um setting everything up they have expanded their uh, software offerings in both the um what do they call it not in their repository independent the what third do they call party it? yeah third party thank you uh they've expanded in in both of those offerings and um so i was able to really find pretty much everything i need to do you know work and and anything else that i would do daily on my system um and talk about fast i mean if you're in the solus uh, software center installing from their repository it's faster than any other software center i've ever used i actually really enjoyed uh running solace uh it was i mean it just fe i don't know how to explain it other than it just feels good it feels yeah. stable it feels i mean instant when you open things when you install things you know like i said there are some issues with it with the third party software but Overall, it was really good. Absolutely, yeah. And so, well, I'll go ahead and, and um, tell on myself. So, tell yourself, Rob. <laughs> everything was trucking along just fine, uh, you know, and I couldn't let it just sit there and be stable and solid and fast of and not. great. You know, I had to go in and start messing around with it. And so I thought, wow, if Mate's running this good, I've got to go back and look at Budgie, you know, the Budgie desktop. So, coffee, Rob. Uh, oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I installed the Budgie desktop, and then um, I didn't spend any time. Actually, I was I was lost at how to log in, and, you know, I was logging out and looking for a way to log into the Budgie desktop. And then I remembered uh, someone had posted that, hey, you can also install, uh, or there were a couple of guys that installed the GNOME desktop. And so I started getting into that, and uh, long story short, I messed things up. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that's not that's not budgie's fault that's uh user error um you know that's one of those learning experiences that we all go through when we're when we're doing things like that but 
Well, you're not the only one, man. You're not the only <laughs> one. I, I've, in the last two days, tried to install different things and had, we'll just leave it at, I had technical difficulties. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so right now I'm running on a backup drive because as of right now, I don't have anything installed on my main drive. So Wow. Wow. I, do you I, feel, I had some serious issues. Do you feel like you're missing like a part of your life right now? Because I'm you telling you, I'm a... restricted. I feel so restricted because I couldn't even copy. Like I'm on a backup drive, which has like four partitions on it. It's my test drive. And each partition is only 30 gigabytes or 27 or something like that. So I tried to copy my email, my Thunderbird folder over and it was too large to copy to this. <laughs> so I feel so restricted right now. <laughs> oh, I am hurting for you, brother. I am I'm hurting. You. For I can't you, even get to the emails for crying out loud. It's you're going to have to. Get, you're going to have to get that all squared away before the new week, or you're just going to be lost. I'm you know? telling you, I got to get it squared away today. Uh, well, hey, with the podcast, um, we've had some comments rolling in, and what's that email address again, Rocco? It is comments at destinationlinux.tech. Nailed it, my friend. You nailed it. <laughs> so we've had some, that's right. We've had some comments rolling in, and we, we wanted to just kind of, um, I guess, have open discussion about that. So uh, we were thinking that if you send us something via comments at destinationlinux.tech, uh, that means to us that you don't mind us sharing your comments. Uh, we're not going to share all comments, but to us that means – we kind of have um, we kind of have your permission to share uh, statements and remarks and questions and things like that. So uh, we decided that if you do not want us to share it, please put in bold or caps or whatever. Do not share, and we'll leave that uh, email uh, private. Is that right. right? Yeah, and you know, we'll we're, we're not we're obviously not going to you know name names and. You know, there's times where Call people will put in their full name, and we'll, we we're not going to use full names for for that. But uh, if you def if you want it to be private, just let us know. Otherwise, yeah. we're it's so it to us it seems to be okay to mention or talk about. Right, that's right. In a good light. In a good light. So, well, and to that, we had a comment uh, from a listener, and uh, I read it, and I was like, you know what? I am so glad that. Um, they took the time to bring this to our attention because uh, the, the comment was related to Linux in its or GNU Linux in its simplest form. GNU and Linux, to be exact, Rob. That's correct. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Stallman. Thank you. And <laughs> and, um, and so uh, we both agreed that, hey, you know what? Thanks for bringing this to our attention because while you and I try to keep things we keep things simple and light. You know, we don't want to get super technical with things. Um, again, we're just two guys who like Linux and want to talk about it. It was brought to our attention. Hey, there are people out there who this is brand new to them. And so what if you were to spend a little time going through the very basic fundamentals of Linux, GNU Linux, GNU Linux, and, and how things work? And, and uh, so we thought we'd do that. Let's do it. So what is so, Linux, Rob? Well, for me, if I were to put Linux in the operating system and that kind of thing in its simplest form, I would say um, you hear the term Linux a lot. And, and if you uh, 
take the covers off and you look at what Linux is, that's really the kernel. You have a Linux kernel. And inside that kernel, you've got a lot of code that allows your hardware on your computer to communicate. It's got drivers, and drivers basically allow your hardware to do what it's supposed to do within your computer. So you've got that in place, the Linux kernel, and that's always being updated and worked on. And then a developer can take that Linux kernel and use that in their operating system. And now that could be an operating system based off of something that's already in place. And so you'll hear people say it's a spin of, you know, for example, you'll hear people say that's a spin of what used to be uh, Mandriva. And so they've taken, because Linux is open and free to use, uh, they've taken that and created an OS, an operating system. And then you have another layer on top of that, which would be the desktop. And within the Linux world, you've got lots of options for desktops. Some of the more popular desktop environments would be GNOME or GNOME, uh, KDE, XFCE, uh, Cinnamon. Rocco, help me. I'm going to forget on Mate. <laughs> um, That's enough. I mean, uh, that, that we get the point. Yep. So you've got the desktops on top of that. Yep. And then the final layer there would be all of the packages or applications that you then install to use and interact with the system. So basically, in its simplest form, what you're saying is Linux is the kernel itself, which does all the commands. And then the then people take the OS and make and add there are things to it to say make it Linux Mint, and then the desktop environment is everything you see. You did a much better job than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Yours was way more technical. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And so I think for people who are new, maybe just to computers in general, you know, perhaps they've run Windows for years and they've never changed anything and they do what they do, but they have interest. Uh, then yes, I, for me, I would say think about it as as layers. Um, the Linux kernel is not really something you have to think about. It's just part of the operating system and running in the background, doing what it needs to do to make your system work. So in my opinion, that's something for someone who is new that you don't even need to think about. And really and truly, a lot of the operating systems that we like within Linux, a lot of the OSs that we like within Linux, we like them because they kind of get out of your way. There's nothing there that you really have to think about. You're just interacting with the applications that you use on a day-in, day-out basis, just like you have been with Windows XP or Windows 7 or even Windows 10 over the past couple of years. And then if you don't have enough programs in that particular operating system, you can always add a PPA, which Correct. is what? Well, a PPA is a source to obtain the software. So, well, you know what? That brings up an interesting point. Uh, let's talk about repositories. You'll hear us talk about repositories or uh, app centers or, you know, that kind of thing. So from distribution to distribution, you will find uh, application centers, application stores. Uh, those are pretty evident. If you're familiar with Android, you have the Play Store within uh, Mac or Apple. You've got uh, what do they call it? App Store? App? I, don't, I know. don't know. I don't have a Mac. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. clears throat> so 
if you think about it from that standpoint, let's use Google, for example, within Google Play, uh, basically you launch the application, which gives you a full list of the applications that you can then install. Right. Well, it's the same way in Linux with the more popular distributions. They have application centers or app centers, or there'll be various names. Where there you go in and you're able to browse the different software offerings and uh, read descriptions a lot of times. Um, sometimes you're going to see images that will show you what the application looks like. And then you could take it a step further. Sometimes you'll have links that take you out to that particular application's web page where you can read more details about the application. So within the App Center, typically it's one-click install. And the beauty is um, it's free. Right. It's, it's free. So uh, if there's something there you have interest in, it's very simple with a one-click install within the App Centers to install it, try it. If it's not what you needed, you can simply remove it. Yep. Didn't cost you money. Uh, you know, didn't cost you a lot of heartache. Although uh, they say money, time is money. <laughs> time is money. <laughs> but now we also still have in play repositories. And I recently did a video where I kind of tried to simplify what a repository is. And for me, the simplest form was if you think of a filing cabinet, with folders within that filing cabinet. And inside those folders are the bits and pieces to make a package or an application. So repositories, to me, I'm just going to visualize it like that filing cabinet with the folders, with the application in the folder. Some operators, some distributions have a larger number of filing cabinets with more folders, with more more applications in those folders than others. Right. And the one for me that's got the most filing cabinets with folders and applications is the Arch user repository. Uh, for me, that's the one that kind of opens it up to, to the majority of applications and everything out there. Uh, I would say second would probably be, what, what in your opinion, maybe the Ubuntu repositories <clears throat> or Linux yeah, Mint. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, definitely the Ubuntu would be, in my opinion, the second biggest. But I'm sure there'll be uh, some suggestions on how big these are uh, and which ones are the biggest. But I yeah. think Ubuntu is the second biggest. Yeah, and I'm sure we're, we we will have comments about uh, facts, you know, numbers and things on that. So we enjoy all the comments, even yes. the bad ones. So yes, <laughs> send them on. Now you had mentioned PPAs. Yes, and. Um, while I'm not a huge fan of having to set up PPAs, PPAs, um, and step in here and correct me on this, but PPAs basically give you access to other repositories that have been set up for sometimes for just a specific application. Well, the one thing you have to differentiate between the repositories and PPAs, they're basically the same thing. But a like a Ubuntu repository is maintained by them. So you're basically saying, I trust the Ubuntu repositories, which is okay to do. If you're adding a single PPA repository, then you have to be careful what you're adding because uh, anybody, anybody out there can make their own repository and upload a program to it. And that's what happens. You know, they'll fork a program. They'll take a program and they'll say, it's open source. 
I, I want to use it, but I want to add this feature to it. So they fork it, they make their own repository, they upload their program to it, and then you would add their reposit their PPA or repository to your system. And, uh, and then you would have access to their program. But you have to be able to trust that person to say, hey, I'm not doing anything fishy about adding this program or I'm not putting anything into this program. So just be careful adding PPAs, but it's, it's definitely a way to get to programs that aren't available in the regular normal, repo normal repository of the system that you're running at the time. Right. So, for example, um, did you know, Rob, that the Brisk menu has a repository for Ubuntu Mate now? Haha, -ha, I did not. <clears throat> that is excellent. That is excellent. So now this uh, wasn't released by some uh, unknown person. I'm assuming this was released by this was maybe released Martin by Martin Empress. Martin okay. Empress. So this okay. is not a fly-by-night repository. So it's okay to now. I I don't know if it's his repository specifically, but it was released by him and Ubuntu Mate themselves. So it's definitely okay to use. So you would add the PPA line and it gives you, when you go to it, and I'll put a link in the notes to it, but when you go to it, you can copy that line, which you should never do, by the way, ever, ever <laughs> copy a line into the terminal and <laughs> paste it in, but you would copy that in. Uh, they give you three command lines, basically, to add a PPA. One is to add the actual PPA to your system. The next one is to update the repository list so that now the, the PPA is on your system, but in order for it to search through it, you have to update the full list so that it sees that that repository is on there. And then the third line would just be to install the actual app. So, and, so you would do that and you would install it. And that gives you access to say, for example, the brisk menu where in the normal repositories, you don't have access to that yet. Very good. Very good. Now, there's also going to be another layer of access to applications. And so, again, we're going to keep this in its simplest form. And that would be snap what you hear. You'll hear the term snap packages. Right. Uh, you'll hear the term flat packs. And essentially what we're talking about is a way for developers to take all the ne necessary bits and pieces of code and everything that's involved in that particular application and put it in one neat package that has the dependencies and everything in place that one would need from operating system to operating system and from desktop environment to desktop environment. So now you're talking about a very simplified package that takes a lot of the guesswork out of, okay, well, I'm running this and it's GTK based versus I'm running KDE, which is, you know, QT apps. All of that kind of goes by the wayside and you can simply choose this snap package or flat package and install it. And I hate to compare it to, you know, an EXE file for Windows, but that's essentially what it is. It's, it's uh, well, no, it's not. The minute I say that, boy, the the man, uh, you <laughs> did open that. I'm camera. in trouble. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not because. But you can but think anyway. of it as a .deb file. There you go. If you're running Ubuntu, it's basically a .deb file that's opened up and improved. So a .deb file is something that you would download, and you it's a one-click install, 
and you just install it on your system. Right. But a snap package opens that up to the point where if you wanted a newer version of that file, say you installed the .dev file of a certain package, say you wanted um, Caden Live and you got a .dev file for it, you installed it. Well, now Caden Live comes out with an update. Well, you don't have the latest update. So unless that .dev file includes a PPA, adding a PPA to your system, you're not going to get the latest one. You're not going to get the updates. The snap packages come into play where they allow for the developer to upload their latest release and you immediately get the update to it. And it runs on any system, not just Ubuntu. So you yep. could be running Arch, you could be running uh, Fedora, you could be running anything and the snap package will work. And that's what that's it, what the idea is anyway. Absolutely. And Rocco, if you think about that from the standpoint of of the way that most Windows users have to handle their software today, it is so far superior to what people are doing within Windows, it's not even funny. Because half the time, you don't even know that there's been an update uh, to that particular piece of software that you've installed. Um, you know, and if it's software that you've purchased, guess what? Hey, we have a new version. And we're going to ask you forty nine ninety five for this new version. Um, you don't have that in Linux. So, so these developers are out there and they're crunching away and they add something new to, let's just say, Caden Live. Right. Uh, you know, they add a new feature that allows you to uh, export in a new codec, a new, uh, you know, a new sound file or something like that. Uh, with these snap packages, um, they're they're going to be available to update or they will update. Is that right? Um, they will update automatically. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And you think about that versus what you're dealing with within Windows or Mac. Um, totally. Well, you, think about, you think about updating in Windows and Mac and you have the Windows updates during the updates itself for the operating system. But then every program has to update itself. So you either update it, you either go find the new version or it has a service running in the background to check for updates constantly. Every single program, whether it's Firefox, Thunderbird, uh, any program that you're running will probably nowadays check for updates. But that means every single one of those things are running an update check every time they start up. Yep. And that's what that's what makes Linux beautiful. You don't have to do that. I mean, if you go back to Windows, you're like, what? You're yep. kidding me, right? I don't have the latest version. So. What is this? What is this crap? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I want to roll all of this back to Solus and point point out and yes, there are people who are going to try Solus and say and and I'm not trying to make this just about Solus, but there's Solus and other distributions that have limited repositories, uh, meaning that when you go into their software center or application center intentionally. Uh, they have a select group of software that you can choose from. If you think about it from the standpoint of, of um, being able to keep that updated on the fly, so that's a positive. Uh, these applications have been tested to a level that they are either optimized and they know they're going to run great out of the box or tested from a standpoint of security there's a lot of benefit to having that walled garden, so to speak, um, from from the aspect of security, speed. Uh, you know it's going to run great. And that was my experience uh, with Solus, is that 
the applications that I installed, for example, WPS Office, launched so fast that I th- I'm going to accuse them of some kind of mojo magic going on there. I mean, I, it's mind blowing. Well, but you I, know, go ahead. But I think, but I think, you, you step back and then you look at Windows. There's no way. And how many of us have done in the past Windows updates that break things at a level that is so frustrating that I think that it's just we're on the verge of overtaking Windows on so many levels when it comes to updates, software availability, uh, security, uh, stability. There's just no competition there. No, I mean... You say you say we're on the verge. I think in you know I think we're we're past we're way past Windows, but that's all subjective to right. who you are and what you run on a daily basis. I have a, a commenter on YouTube who said that he runs Windows eight for stability. Um, you know he runs a few things to make it not look like Windows eight, like Classic Shell and whatever. But uh, he runs Windows eight because he needs stability for his system when in specifically what he does. So, and that's okay if that's what you want to run. Uh, but I think Linux itself is so far beyond that with checking for all of the updates for the stability part of it. Um, you know, you do have, I think there was a, uh, it was like a sort of semi-repository. I think it was called Chocolate or Chocolatey for Windows where it would curate basically the programs and it kind of like it would mimic like a Win, uh, Linux type of environment where it would check for updates for all of your stuff uh and it was a command line thing so uh but again you know flattery is uh what are the what's the uh, quote yeah um yeah (laughs) imitation is (laughs) imitation is the greatest form of flattery so i think linux is way past windows and you know you you look at windows 10 came out and it has all kinds of Similar features to KDE Neon, or not KDE Neon, but Plasma in general. Um, It it really looks similar, and Plasma was out before Windows 10. So I think uh, Microsoft has its eye on Linux myself. I do too, and it's so interesting. I just read an article about, uh, another article about Microsoft's reasons behind, um, behind embracing open source and things like that. Well, there's a couple of things going on at Microsoft. You've got new leadership there. And if you look at what Microsoft's doing with their uh, advertising and their packaging and the presentation of their products, they are starting to mimic Apple in a multitude of ways. They are also, I think, in my opinion, putting a lot of core focus on their uh, cloud-based services and applications. And I think Windows 10 is it. I think Windows 10, Microsoft wants that to be their last operating system. And they want to do these updates. They want to change things on the fly. They do not want to invest like they did 20 years ago in making Windows something. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't think they want to push. They no longer want to push Windows 10 in a direction that's going to be something that is... um, is reaching for new ways to interact. I think they went down that road with Windows 8 right. and they realized, you know, people don't want that. They want they want things to be like they used to be with Windows more or less, uh, but with shiny new surfaces, you know, and but they want to tie all of that in with their cloud services. And to me, 
their core focus is going to change in ways that is going to push more people away from Windows. And when I say we're on the verge, that's why I think we're on the verge. We have everything in place. Uh, and we're starting to see so much in way of, of ease of use. And Linux is not scary anymore. You know, Linux used to be scary for people. It was. I'll agree with you on that. So... Anyway, I think the I think the updates uh, in Windows they're to the point now where they're and I'm not saying they're perfected because they're not they break things all the time but they're getting to the point where they could literally upgrade your system online without having to get a physical disk so mm -hmm. they've improved it from seven to eight to ten to where they don't need to make a full operating system anymore. They right. can just have you running Windows 10 and then just roll out updates, kind of like a rolling release in Linux. Right, so. right. And so again, there's uh, copying what Linux is doing. Mm, pretty <laughs> so, much. <laughs> now I'm gonna I want to reel it back in a little bit here because okay. I I kind of started getting a little heated when I started thinking about Microsoft and how they're losing it and how much better Linux is than Windows and. Uh, so we want to reel it back, and we just, again, want to kind of recap Linux in its simplest form. So uh, I'm going to throw the ball back over to you, Rocco, and just any final words on that? Now, I mean, basically, like I said, the simplest form is Linux is the kernel running command lines in the background. Everything to do with configuring the system is part of the operating system that what in whatever you're running, like Linux Mint or whichever operating system you're running and the desktop environment is everything you see all the windows it takes all the commands from the kernel and basically puts them in a nice little box so you can see and see pictures and icons and text and everything and that's your desktop environment and that's basically what Linux is well said my friend well said so well I hope that helps some of you out there who have interest in Linux and you know maybe you're watching various youtube channels and you're seeing all these really cool things and and we're guilty of sometimes getting caught up in what it is we're doing and we're not thinking always about hey wait a minute what if there's someone out here who doesn't understand when we say um you know certain things about an operating system maybe there's someone out there who's not 100 percent clear on what that is and how that works and i think it would be good for all of us especially with YouTube channels out here, uh, you know, doing videos and things to always remember that, that there, hey, there could be someone sitting there watching your video who is not 100% clear on everything you're talking about. And it may be helpful to make sure that we're cognizant of that. Yep. I think, I think I'm guilty of that as well. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. And, and, but you know what, uh, we can, we can always make corrections along the way and, and try to improve from there to help those. And that's what we're doing in life, brother. We're trying to improve every day. There you go. There you go. All right, Rob, we got some news. So what do you want to do? What do you want to discuss in the news? Well, there's a lot of KDE news out there right now. There is. There's a lot of KDE news. Okay, so uh, Jonathan Riddell, Riddle? I don't know exactly how to say his name, but he's basically KDE Neon. That's basically what he runs. And they released 5.9, and it is in beta, so it's not, you know, for the faint of heart as of yet. So don't go trying to download KD Plasma 5.9, uh, but it does offer a lot of improvements. So 
they are bringing back global menus, which used to be, it says in KDE 4, and I don't, I mean, I used KDE all the way back to 3.5, but I was never a fan of global menus. But uh, I know that there's a lot of people that are, so that is one of the things that's going to be in there. Um, and there's all kinds of different improvements that they're adding to it, so look for that. And also, uh, KDE, the application suite itself, which Plasma is everything that runs in the background, what you see, your everything. The application suite is all of the specific programs inside of KDE, like Kden Live and Kmail and everything else. So that is up to 16.12. And I think it's 16.12.1 is the update. And there's 40 different fixes inside of 16.12.1. And that's still not completely out yet, So, but it's coming. So there's uh, improvements on um, Spectacle, on Caden Live itself. Uh, there, there was a, I looked at the list of it, and it was just went scrolling and scrolling and scrolling of all the updates. So doing a whole lot of improvement. And, you know... Like I, like I always say, it's nice to see all of the improvements, not just because there's actual, you know, specific improvement to this, but the fact that they're continually working on it. It's not gone by the wayside. They're not, you know, forgetting what, you know, what, what it's all about. And they're just putting out something and throwing it out there, just, just continually making it better. Yeah. Well, we'll put all the links to um, all the news bits, but I'm going to, again, throw out a caution there that uh, in reading through some of the comments and everything with 5.9, unless uh, you've got maybe a test system or something where you run beta, alpha or beta software on, um, there's a lot of comments there about issues and, and problems with 5.9. So we'll put all the links so that you can make that decision for yourself. And one of the things that stood out to me that I'm excited about, Rocco, and watched a video on, and they're calling it um, K-Shell. Yes. So K-Shell, and we'll put the link to the video, it's extremely cool in that with KDE, with the desktop environment, you've got a lot of settings. Now, that's one of the things you and I both enjoy about KDE is there you can go in and change settings for practically everything. No, I don't need any settings, Rob. I'm good. <laughs> if, you, if you wanted a pink and purple desktop environment, which is my favorite. Right. Uh, the HTML version. <laughs> <laughs> If you wanted a pink and purple desktop within KDE, you can set that all up. But anyway, all of those settings, though, can be off-putting. So, you know, our roll into the show here was talking about keeping Linux simplified as we're going through and we're talking about these things. One of the things that KDE is accused of, and rightfully so, is having way too many settings and various settings in various places that sometimes seem to do duplicate things. So what, uh, and shoot, I lost my place here. And so what... Um, K-Shell. Yeah, thank you. What K-Shell is attempting to do or what it does, and again, when you watch this video, you'll get it. It's awesome. It allows you to go in and uh, set up various things such as your wallpaper, your theming, which is the color of the borders around your windows and things like that. Uh, sound files, I believe. So if you've got system sound settings uh, or yeah, sound system settings in place, right. uh, you could set all of that up. I believe even your font yep. uh, is included. 
and it allows you to go up, go in and set all of that up and then create with one click access the ability to switch from one theme set to the to another as well as upload that to the uh, KDE, KDE look website i think it is kdelook.org yeah, yeah. kde-look.org something like that uh, yeah. i will put a link in the description for it but that is awesome rob that you <laughs> could go and you could change everything you wanted to change about your desktop wallpaper and everything and then save that as a theme and then make another one completely different like if you wanted a dark one and you wanted a light one like i mean i switch themes all the time and you know i'll get i'll have a theme for about you know two three weeks and then i'll get bored with it and i'll switch to another theme maybe a light theme this time That's and right. you can have these all set up and you can even not only switch to them yourself but you can upload them to the look website and other people can benefit from them i think it's awesome yeah to be able to share that so if you know we get this on our youtube channels from time to time where someone is watching our video and they'll say hey what's that icon set where did you get that yep or they'll say, hey, where's that wallpaper? I love the way you've got that set up. Uh, let, let me know what you used or what you have in place there. Well, here you could just share that. So I could share my pink and purple uh, theme with Hannah Montana icons and upload that to KDE. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so for the person out there looking for it, it'll be one-click access, one-click to get it all set up. I think be, that's awesome. It'll be Rob Collins' HML version. <laughs> but no i can't wait to see that and, and mess around with that so looking forward to that for sure yep it's definitely uh an exciting feature of kde and and i'm envisioning i don't know seven to ten videos from you on just the different uh maybe just maybe <laughs> <laughs> of how to do it all right so we have a release rob of discord and it is for Linux, finally. So Discord is a messaging app where you can talk to multiple people at one time. So you might as well think of Discord as a better Google Hangouts, where you can voice talk and text chat, uh, depending on which room you're in. They have rooms that you can set up. So basically, I could set up my own Discord server and have a chat room. I could have a Linux talk room. I could have a Windows talk room, and depending on what room you join, uh, you and me could join the same room, and we could chat together, talk together. Um, and it is a really good app to run, and a lot of people are switching from things like TeamSpeak, uh, especially gamers, are switching from a TeamSpeak server or a Ventrilo server to the Discord server because it's so much easier. So it is finally out for Linux users, and you can download it and check it out. Hey, that's excellent. Now, I've, I've never used Discord, but it's uh, very popular with gamers. It is. That's my understanding. So uh, that's one more little piece of the puzzle for uh, eventual Linux gaming, you know, and, and uh, I don't game Someday. like I used to. Someday. Someday. <laughs> Battlefield 1 is going to be on Linux. <laughs> Someday. Oh, could you imagine? Now, there uh, you go. That would be awesome. There you go. So that's, I see that remark so much is, uh, I'd love to use Linux, but I'm a gamer. Right. You know, and are you a not, gamer, Rob? Well, I used to be a gamer more than I needed to be. Uh, you know, I used to build my own gaming rigs. 
uh, back in the day, I had a tower system that, you know, took two people practically to pick up. And, <laughs> and uh, back then when, when we did that, we would have land parties. So I had a friend who, uh, getting off subject here, but I had a friend whose family business was a printer copier business where they went out and installed corporate printers and copiers. Right. So he had this giant space that we could all use and go in and set up and we'd carry our gaming rigs in and yep. we would set them up and we'd network them all together and we would play unreal tournament for seven hours straight and we would order multiple <laughs> multiple pizzas and we'd have you know back then this was before red bull and all of these high energy drinks so we yeah. would have you know stacks of pizza boxes with coca-cola and mm. you know all these mountain dew and all these other high caffeine sodas and, you know, I think back to that now, and it's like, how am I alive today ingesting all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. We had uh, a situation where we would we went to one of the guys that I play with. We used to play Medal of Honor back in the day. And we went to his house, and he had a big farmhouse ranch, and we set up a land party. And people came from all over the country. I mean, I'm talking yeah. from different states and everything all came to this and we all brought our computers and set them up and we all played medal of honor right there in the room together it was awesome <laughs> those were awesome times you know and now of course you know you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home and you can do that through a console or on your pc and now my son i'm I, you know i don't game that much uh but i am having a blast with my son who's playing um uh, you know on his xbox one that he got for christmas Yep. And uh, as a matter of fact, you and you and he had some conversation, and I think maybe in a future podcast, we're going to throw in a little gaming uh, section into one of the episodes. We may have to talk about gaming on Linux in general, and maybe some Battlefield One talk. Absolutely, <laughs> I think that would be great. And my son, he's he's phenomenal. I got to say, not because he's my son; he's thirteen years old. But seriously, he's been in there holding training sessions on how to fly within Battlefield, the Battlefield series. And so I'll be sitting in there kind of participating. And I mean, he's got guys that are 30 years old in there who he's training. On the I best. need to take that training course because I can't fly, Rob, just so you know. <laughs> I stay on the ground. And I mean, seriously, there'll be seven or eight people who are all adults and somebody will say, hey, how old are you? And he'll say, I'm 13. And everybody starts laughing because here's this 13 year old <laughs> giving a class online on how to handle the dynamics of flying. So, yep, it, it's great. So, well, we've got some other uh, bits and pieces here that I think are worth mentioning. And our friend Jody James, who is the developer of OB Revenge, has released a new tool. I'll call it a tool uh, called... Um, revenge installer and yep. so we we uh, talked about that a little bit we chatted a little bit with uh, jody on that and then we've got a couple friends who have posted videos if you want to talk about their their channels and what they've they've posted there rocco well ghost 67 has uh posted a video on it he was actually i think the first one to do the video on it and then uh linux and other stuff uh, did a video on it as well and they go through showing you exactly how to run it and basically you can get an arch system up a plain vanilla arch system within a couple minutes by clicking yes or no answers and it takes the fear from somebody out of trying to set up an arch installer or an arch plain vanilla install and using the installer 
like I said, you go through and you click yes, do you want to do this, you add your user, you pick your desktop environment, and you, you get a vanilla Arch install. Really simple. Right. Now, I was so excited when uh, Jody told us about this, and I watched, uh, I watched Linux and other stuff's video in going through the process and getting it set up. Um, so, again, let's go back to our Linux simplified kind of theme that we started out with. Arch is something that once you get in and you start reading about the different types of distributions, you have Debian-based distributions, you'll, you'll see Ubuntu. Ubuntu is probably the most widely known distribution of Linux, but Arch has a huge following. And, uh, you know, I have on my bucket list one day to install Arch, the pure the pure archway, which is right. command line and going through that process. Now, I'm not there yet. Really, it's because of a matter of time. Yes. Uh, real life I, sets in. Real life sets in. And I know you and I have had discussions on, hey, one day we're going to do this. But now this Arch installer um, allows you to go in and kind of use an Arch-based distribution in its purest form with Basically, like as you said, you're you're prompted and you you're clicking through, and so it really allows people who want that pure experience but maybe don't have the time to go through that process. The and time it's awesome. to learn how to do each individual process. Like he'll put he puts it in there, like say for example, to add your user. Well, all it is is you typing your username in instead of having to learn the actual commands to put them in. Now. It's good that you would learn the actual commands. It's a good thing to install Arch from scratch, but and it will teach you a lot about how Linux operates. But you also have to have the time in order to do that, like you said. And this is that's what this does: is allows you to install plain Arch and still not pull your hair out. Right. So, Jody, thank you for uh, releasing this and for making this available to people because. Um, to me, that's an inspiration. It's like, okay, you're just, you're adding one more tool to our tool set that allows someone to maybe take Linux to a whole nother level for them. And, uh, man, that's an awesome thing. And I know that also, I want to mention one other channel, which is still active and that's uh, Midfinger. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first met Jody and talked to him about his inspiration for OB Revenge, um, he pulled a lot of that from Midfinger, and Midfinger has passed away. Uh, and uh, his son, I believe, is still keeping the channel uh, alive. And, and people still, to this day, uh, go to that channel for a lot of info on Arch and, and to learn uh, a tremendous amount. And um, so seeing, so Jody pulled, uh, pulled inspiration from Midfinger. And then now Jody has developed these tools, which will allow future uh, Linux users to go in and take Linux to another level for them. And so that's just, to me, awesome. That's kind of what it's about, you know? Well, I highly recommend people listen to that interview that you did with him on YouTube, because seeing the backstory of how he started and everything is just amazing. I mean, within a year, the guy had never run Linux, and within a year, he's creating his own distro, his own operating system. And to go from that point to that point is amazing in a year. Now, obviously, he had to have the time in order to do that, but 
uh, he put the time and effort into that to learn every single thing out there. And now he's creating things to make it easier for everybody else to do it. Absolutely. And I think it's awesome, too. So kudos, Jody. That's uh, fantastic, man. And yeah, I want to back up to that. He taught himself how to program in order just to build his own distro. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole that's why I said it. I recommend everybody listen to that interview because it was an amazing story. You know, so it, it is. It, well, thank you. And definitely, uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, Jody's a great guy. So, all right. So uh, it's going to be fun. I have not gone through Revenge Installer yet. Uh, plan to do that. And uh, I think you're planning on doing it as well. Or I am planning on doing it as well. Um, after my technical difficulties <laughs> died down, I think I'm going to do that. So stay tuned. We may, I don't know yet, uh, may do a video as well on that, or we may discuss it in future podcasts. So stay tuned there on the Revenge Installer. So Rob, we're off to the YouTube corner. The YouTube corner. Hey, now this isn't a bad corner because, hey, you've been bad. Go stand in the corner, right? This, this is, is not the... a bad corner, Rob. This is a this good is... corner to be on. <laughs> you see a lot of stuff at this corner. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, last week we talked about uh, a question from Lazex about normalizing audio volumes. Yes. And we did have two or three different uh, answers, and we forwarded them on to him. And he is in the process of checking them out. We did not get a response back from him yet as far as which one was going to work. Um, but there are a couple different possibilities. So, Well, I'm just going to share. Yeah, I'm just going to share one of those, Rocco, real go quick. Go right ahead, Rob. Because right uh, this may help people listening. So, um, so this is, and I am not going to be able to pronounce the name. It's G-Z-E-N-U-M-2. So the just, commenter. Yep, that's the commenter. And he says, hey, guys, great show, loving it. Had the same problem with normalizing sound, and this is how I solved it. It's pretty easy. In your distribution, find and install L-A-D-S-P-A plugins. That's, again, L-A-D-S-P-A plugins. And just uh, edit. Uh, let's see. Wait a minute here. We're going to have to put this in here because there's going to be uh, – you're going to have to go in and edit actually uh, go in and edit some of your files uh, and we'll list this so I'm not going to read it out and add two lines at the end so he goes in and he types out exactly what you need to add uh, in once you've gone in to edit uh, set default sync compressor reboot and it's all good now lots going on there that you're going to have to actually type in now word of caution I haven't gone in and, and done this uh, I'm taking him at his word that this works. So read through this. We'll put this in the uh, show notes and uh, read through this and see if that solves the problem. That was one solution, and then we had another. Um, link well, that we basically, can the short end of that is you you install the LADSPA plugins, you edit one config file and add two lines, and you reboot. That's basically what that's he's basically saying to do. It. And yeah. Hopefully that solves it. There are there was another um, way of doing it, um, but like I said, I'm not going to get into the technical point of doing it because I don't have it right in front of me. Right. Because um, right. I I'm having technical difficulties, like I said. <laughs> so <laughs> there was another solution, and we did forward that on to Lazak. So we'll see um, how that works out with him. I have like I said, I haven't got a response back from him. Yeah. 
and it looks like the edit's going in under the pulse uh, config file, and you're yeah. So we'll list it all out. I'm not going to read it here. It doesn't, you know, we're not. I don't uh, have it in front of me to list right. it all out. So. Exactly, exactly. So the nice thing is, and and the thing that I love seeing here is that there's interaction here. You've got people who have problems. You have people who are helping, and uh, I love seeing that. So, so Rob, the one million dollar question. Yes. From Tamify nineteen fifty. Tam 1954FI would like to know in the Solus Mate video that I did, is that your car on the wallpaper? <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow, that was a beautiful, I think that was a Mercedes you had on your wallpaper. Yeah, it was. <laughs> beautiful, nice, shiny, sleek, black Mercedes. Wow, that was very nice. No, my, no, uh, my car. car's nowhere close to that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, what are uh, gonna do? Yeah, maybe what are you gonna someday. Do? Maybe someday. That's right. You know what's funny, Rocco is. Uh, you know, you're sitting there in traffic, and uh, you know, just pick any high-end car. Let's use you know the all-electric Fisker or the uh, what's the other all-electric. Um, I'm not on my, my cars, Rob. I'm okay. sorry. I can't so help you, you out there. Let's use Corvette, brand new Corvette, 2017 Corvette. What's always funny to me. And I've told my wife this for years. You look over, there's that brand new Corvette. Nine times out of ten, the gentleman is uh, on up in years with probably all white or gray hair. Nine yes. times out of ten. And I always chuckle at that because that's what it takes, I guess. you got to get your kids through college, pay off all the mortgages, yep. you know, all that stuff. And finally, at that point in your life. <laughs> it's the whole real life thing getting in the way, Rob. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right. But no, not my car, Tam. Tam, uh, not your car, Tam. What is it? Nineteen. Nineteen fifty-four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but thanks for asking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that takes us over to, uh, and I don't want to lose my place here. We had some uh, feedback uh, from Alan mm -hmm. um, on the uh, podcast on Destination Linux, and we appreciate receiving the feedback because it helps us know. Uh, that number one, people are listening, and that's always good to know. Hey, uh, we would have fun if nobody listened, Rob. That's but true. It's nice to know that people do listen. That's true, but we may just do it over the phone. Okay. You know, then we, <laughs> if no one's listening or watching, we could just call each other and have okay. our discussion. Yeah. Uh, so. All right, we'll do that. <laughs> so, but anyway, this is from Alan, and he says, "Hey, yo, I've been watching the videos on Linux Quest for a while." And when uh, Destination Linux started, I was so excited. It turned out to be a fantastic podcast, and I really enjoy watching. I think it's great the two of you are sitting down to talk about Linux and share it with the community. Uh, he goes on to say, many of the distros I've tried, I've tried because of the podcast. Keep up the great work. Now, he goes on also to kind of uh, follow up on uh, our last podcast. And he says, also, for the ISO files, uh, AMD 64 means it follows a 64-bit uh, x86 instruction set, and the i386 follows a 32-bit x86 instruction set. I can't talk. So that's, so that's due to the question we had the other week where uh, they the person was wanting to know which ISO to download for their system. Correct. Uh, so the AMD 64 means that it's going to follow the 64-bit x86 instruction set, which means if I have a 64-bit system, if I have a 64-bit processor, I'm going to download the AMD64. If I have a 32-bit processor, I'm going to download the i386 ISO. 
Correct. That is correct. Yep. And so great follow up to that. Uh, and that was from from the previous show from uh, Whit. And yep. uh, so hopefully that helps out some. And he goes on to say this is because at the time Intel created 32 bit processors, which were licensed to AMD for production. And then he uh, goes on to say that AMD, cre uh, AMD created the 64-bit processor after it was no longer allowed to piggyback off of the Intel license. And they had to reverse engineer it all. So that's a little bit of uh, interesting background as to what was happening between AMD and Intel with their licensing and architecture and everything in place. So, yeah, I never knew the backstory of what happened exactly of why the details behind it i just you know i knew hey 64 image i'm going to download the 64 bit so but the backstory is uh pretty good absolutely so thank you alan for the kind words words of encouragement and uh for commenting and uh you know it's helpful as well so uh, we appreciate that and appreciate you listening or watching to the show watching the show it's always nice like i said to hear comments and you know even the bad ones Send them in. If you got some bad comments to send in, send them in. We'll listen yeah. to them anyway. Yeah, we'll we'll read over bad, good, uh, sometimes indifferent, and uh, <laughs> but so far, <laughs> so, so far it's been positive. It's been positive. That's right, and that's encouraging to us. Um, even if we get negative stuff, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing because we just enjoy the discussion. We enjoy the uh, the camaraderie. I mean, we have similar interests here, and you know, we made. We've made friends with both of our YouTube channels, friends and acquaintances, I'll say, because we have that same common interest in Linux, in Linux in general. So, yep. So that's what makes it fun. Yes, absolutely. So, Rocco, do you have anything coming up that you're going to be working on? I'm going to take a little stab and just say you're going to be working on your complete operating system. <laughs> Bob, Rob, right now, I don't have an operating system on my main drive. That's how much technical difficulty I've been having. <laughs> so. Rocco, who are you? I, I don't I don't know you anymore. Who are I'm you? I'm telling you. But no, it's it's not that I it's not that I can't get one on. I just haven't had the time to get it on between work and everything else. Uh you know, you have a limited amount of time to work on specific things and right. I just haven't had the time to get one on. So the next thing I'm working on is getting one on. The question is, which one, Rob? What will it be? You know, it can go multiple ways. So I'm going to say this out loud. Um, you know, I just did a, a video with Matt uh, doing a review of uh, Chaos or KOS or COS. Right. Uh, with those Linux names again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know what he didn't mention? What? Okay, I'm not going to say it. Don't say it? I won't Why say not? it if, if you don't remember it, and he didn't mention it. Oh, yes. <laughs> don't say it, Rob. I completely forgot about that, and hopefully so did he. So, so did he. So we just truck on with what we're running now. and yeah. we're, we're not even going to talk about that. Okay, That's Not exactly even there. Right. Nothing not to even there. Just keep moving. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, the next uh, month or so in what's going to be released in new distributions. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. It seems like out of the gate here, I think it's going to be a good year for Linux. I think they've made so many improvements in the last year that 
bring the Linux distributions up to a point where most of them are becoming stable. Most of them are to the point where you could install it and run it every day. Now they're, they're starting to add new features and new things to it that are going to make it really exciting. It seems, like I said, I get the same feeling. It seems like it's going to be an exciting year for Linux. Yep, yep. And that's, you know, and every year, I think uh, maybe I joked about this with you one day, uh, is that every year there'll be an article, uh, you know, is this the year of Linux? <laughs> and then is you'll it? see at the end, And then you'll see at the end of the year, well, this wasn't the year of Linux, however, you know. <laughs> well, and, is 2017 going to be the year for Linux, Rob? Well, and I don't want to get caught up on that. I really, I think it's 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 just funny. For me, it's entertainment, you know. Uh, for me, 2016 was the year of Linux, for me personally. And for many of you viewers and listeners out there, I think 2016 for them was the year of Linux. And I think it's due to what you just stated is we've seen a lot of improvements. We've seen things added. We've seen stability because most of the, like you said, most of the major uh, distros out there are very stable. Yeah. Um, it's easy to install. And I think we'll just kind of end the show with maybe just back where we started with the simplicity or trying to keep Linux simple. Um, all of that work and these layers all working together point back to that Linux kernel. And you and I have talked about this before. You're talking about a kernel which allows a massive amount of hardware to operate and function at a level that is stable, that yep. everything just works. I venture to say if you or I had to go and install Windows 7 on our current systems right now, um, we would spend hours and hours just getting the drivers in place to make things work. And yep. so I'm going to roll it back to the Linux kernel. Uh, thanks to all of the people involved in that. And with these fast releases we're seeing and, and, and that kind of thing being so stable and working so well that it allows us to experiment and try all of these wonderful operating systems, Linux operating systems at a level that, you couldn't do 10 years ago. Nope. You could. It's it's really exciting to see how many, not just how many distros are out there, but like I said, the fact that they're all becoming, they're all trying to perfect themselves and they're doing a really good job at it. They're all tr becoming more and more stable, more and more, adding more and more hardware to their operating system. So now uh, you'll see a lot of them that you'll boot into the live disk and it'll actually pick up your Wi-Fi drivers without having to install something. Now, not every one of them, but all of these are advances that you didn't have before and they're all starting to grow and it's nice to see. Yep. And so Rocco, I wasn't skipping your question, uh, is 2017 the year of Linux? Uh, I wasn't skipping it. I was going through a long drawn out <laughs> explanation <laughs> to say, for us using Linux currently, and for the new people who come into Linux, um, GNU Linux in 2017, with everything that's going on in a positive way, um, then I think for all of us, it will be a great year for Linux. And so I'll leave it at that. I have to agree with you, Rob. Awesome. Well, until next week, uh, we will, I guess, uh, wrap things up here and enjoy it as always, Rocco. 
I'll see you next week, bro. All right. Take care.